ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. You know the TV show Dexter? Yes. How he needed to go and kill someone. Yes. I'm like that with comedy. Every now and again, (laughs) I need to go out and just feed the laughter monster. I'm Virginia Trioli and welcome to You Don't Know Me, the podcast in which I ask some of Australia's biggest names seven big questions. Okay, I really... this is Someone may call and offer therapy after this. (laughs) A beloved name at home with spicks and specks and known internationally for the last leg, he's now in the thick of it on the rugby field. Adam Hills, your life is turning out to be just lovely. (laughs) It really is. It's kind of hilarious. Um, Every now and then I do an interview like this and I am introduced the way you introduce me and I sit here thinking, that guy sounds really impressive. (laughs) That's a nice life. That's a good introduction. How do I get one of those? Yeah. But also a documentary, Adam Hills, Grow Another Foot. Yes, I made a documentary years ago about the the start of disability rugby league in the UK mm. and me playing for the Warrington Wolves and that was called Take His Legs. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then this one we and called. We'll get, we, we all, you all know the leg reference, but we will clarify as well. That is, yeah, I do have a prosthetic <laughs> leg. That's why I play. Um, this one's called Grow Another Foot because it was about the disability rugby league World Cup last year, and I had the opportunity to play for Australia, but I also technically qualified for England. And so the English coach, Sean Briscoe, who used to play, you know, able-bodied, said to me, and played for England, said, look, you know, who do you want to declare for? And I had a long, long hard think about it and I had to say to him, look, I don't get heart flutters when I, I think of pulling on the English jersey. And he said, yeah, when you play for your country, you should grow another foot. And I said, well, if I could do that, I wouldn't be playing disability <laughs> rugby league in the first place. <laughs> but it was about that concept of representing your country. And, yes. and, you know, we followed the Australian team, we followed the English team who who did play in the Disability Rugby League World Cup last year. And it's brutal. Like, anyone watches it is taken aback by how full on it is. Well, I was going to say, foot or no foot? I mean, how are you or were you, generally speaking, at rugby anyway? I was okay. I played till I was about 12 or 13 because yep. I grew up in Sydney. Um, so I knew how to play, but mm. it was it was a real wake-up call, you know, playing against especially burly northern Yorkshiremen. I mean, the first game I played, one massive guy came out to my wing, tackled me, threw me on the ground, and then in my ear just said, I enjoyed that. <laughs> Because I think the only thing English people... It's like a Warner Brothers cartoon. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing English people like hitting harder than an Australian is an Australian off the television. (laughs) So, and I mean, if you watch the the show, there's there's broken ribs, there's fractured cheekbones. I, you know, since I've been playing, which is 2017, I've fractured an ankle, torn a hamstring and torn the IT band in my hip. Okay, so now you're really able to play... Oh, absolutely. Rugby. You know, you tick all the boxes. <laughs> but it's when you watch, you know, the stories of all the people. Like I realised when I started making these documentaries, it's not about me. It's about all the other people. It's yes. about, you know, the, the Bryce who played for Australia, who, who played at a really high level and then tore all the nerves out of his shoulder making a tackle. And then there's a guy called Adam from the Warrington team who's got cerebral palsy and his parents were told he'd never, you know, play rugby league and now he's playing for England. So there's all these stories intermingled in it. I better get to the questions. You'd never know it, but I... I'm an extremely grumpy man. (laughs) (laughs) I've become grumpier and grumpier as I've gotten older and about the most trivial things. Oh, no. You don't give the poor person behind the bar giving your coffee order a hard time. 
Oh, no, that's interesting. I'm generally quite nice to people. I, I'm such a people pleaser yes. that I will hold it in and I'll explode later. So where does it come out? It, okay, I really... This is the, I'm, Someone may call and offer therapy after this. <laughs> when you've got a prosthetic leg, it's great for kicking stuff <laughs> because it doesn't hurt. <laughs> But there is something so sad. It's made of titanium. We did a thing on the last leg where we ran over a prosthetic leg with a tank and it, it mainly survived. But hang on, but there's a connection point. That must hurt at that connection point, surely, the, the reverberation through the rest of your leg. I mean, the reverberation, yeah, it does, you do feel it. Yeah, sure. But no, I can just wind up and let go and... <laughs> <laughs> How many have you busted over the years? Um, oh, a fair few. I'm trying to think. Uh... Do you know where I would often break prosthetic legs is the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Because? Uh, well, I could never work it out. And then I realised a lot of Ed Edinburgh is cobblestones. <laughs> so you're walking around on cobblestones and your ankle's going left and right, right. and left and right and yes. forward and backwards. Yes. That's the only thing I can think is that was why. Like there were two years running where I broke my prosthetic leg. Damn the... that festival. <laughs> <laughs> He's had such success at it, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Literally taken my legs away yeah, from me. Yeah, took the legs away from him. The fork in the road I almost took was? Uh, sports journalism. I nearly became a sports journalist. At I went, what age? Uh, well, I went to university at age 18, Macquarie University in Sydney. I did a communications degree. The plan was at that point to become a sports journalist. I remember... So my dad worked for Qantas and he had... He met a TV producer on one of the flights who produced a sports show, got his phone number and I called this guy up and I said... I was 17 at the time and said, what, what's your advice? And he said, go to university. And I said, all right, what should I study? And he said, I don't care. And I was like, what? And he said, if you go to you, if you just come straight out of high school, all your teachers make sure you hand your stuff in on time and they nag you until you do. University students, if you don't hand your stuff in, you fail. So mm. you have to learn how to do stuff yourself. Yeah. He said, so I don't care if you study history, commerce, whatever. I will hire a university student because I know they will get stuff done. So I, I studied communications because that seemed like the best thing to do for the journalism degree. Um, and the plan was sports journalist. Uh, and then halfway through university, I discovered stand-up comedy and went, oh, hang on, this is, this is fun. This is fun doesn't necessarily equate to, oh, I can make a living from this, though. No, I never thought I... I mean, at, at no point did I think, oh, I can make a living from this. So this was just a fun thing to do. And then within probably about six months, I started to get paid bookings, then led into being an MC. And then it all came back to me covering the Paralympics at the last leg and almost becoming a sports journalist again. Yes, yeah, so you come complete full <laughs> yeah. circle. But forget, forget the journalism, you're now the participant. <laughs> you're now the actual sports star. So how about that? It's a, I mean, a lot of it is also just staying open to yeah. interesting possibilities along the way. Why do you love stand-up so much? Oh, it, for so many reasons. It's how I express... Being funny is how I like to express myself. It's, it's not about money and it's not about attention, I don't think. I, I feel at my best when I'm being funny. And more importantly, the laughter monster needs to be fed. Yes. That's yeah. the only way I can describe it. You know you know the TV show Dexter? Yes. How he needed to go and kill someone. Yes. So he would find the right people to kill, the yes. people who deserve... 
I'm like that that. that. that he could morally square away, yes. Yes, I'm like that with comedy. Every okay. now and again, I need to go out and just feed the laughter monster. The full moon comes out. Yep. Yep, that's right. He turns into the comedy werewolf and he has to go out and prowl. Honestly, there have been days and weeks where I've thought I'm coming down with something. I might have to go to the doctor. I'm feeling really unwell. And I go and do stand-up and go, oh, no, I just needed someone to laugh at me. That is so it's... interesting. <laughs> Adam Hills is with you answering the questions in You Don't Know Me. I always... Uh, always go on stage with my act in my back pocket. It's a, it's, a, it's a thing that goes all the way back to high school where I remember having, I think it was an English teacher, might have been geography teacher, who said, you know, write, when you're studying, write out the notes and then summarise them into paragraphs, then summarise them into points and stick with those points and then it'll stick in your head. And I do that with stand-up. So before going on stage... I will write out in point form and sometimes it'll be two pages if it's a, if it's a full show. And if you were in the audience and you had that list, you could tick off joke by joke as they go through. Right. There won't be un- until I ad lib and then completely go off script. But I can't go off script unless I know what the script is. Prep. It's preparation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's mo- I never look at it. It's in my back pocket for You've the whole show. You've never pulled it out. Never pulled it out once. But just the the knowledge that it's there lets me know that I've done the right amount of preparation. Has your methodology changed much over the years? Uh, So I don't know about the methodology, but I would say very, very recently, I've I've spent a bit of time away from doing stand-up because of COVID and then because of playing rugby league, which became my obsession. Mm. And I thought, well, let's follow that as far (laughs) as we can take it. And about a month ago, I was asked to do a comedy festival in Dublin. And... Something happened. I I turned up, I did a Saturday night and a Sunday night, two of the best 20-minute spots I've ever had in my life. And it felt like I was trying less. It was really interesting. I think as you get older and you get better at it, it's it's like life. It's a bit zen, really. You work, you you get more out of it by doing slightly less. You you achieved flow, that great state of flow. I think that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. And I've watched. There was a a comedian called Sean Hughes that I watched a few years back, and he was mid fifties at this point. And I thought, oh my god, you don't even look like you're trying, and you are killing this gig, and that. Yeah, that is a state of flow, I think is the best way to put it. I'm, I'm a big um, reader of Taoism as well. Are you? Uh, and that's all about going with the flow. Yes, and so, being in that state. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. I never. I never drink enough water. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, to the fact that, that I've, got, I've come We've over got a couple here, of water because okay. like, it's my first. Drink it. I drink coffee. Drink it, Freddie. I drink loads of, I drink way too much coffee. <laughs> And when we did, in fact, when we did the Rugby League World Cup last year, the one rule, the coach said to us, look, I'm not going to have fines for being late. I'm not going to do that kind of stuff or do punishments. All I will say is this, you have to have your water bottle with you at all times because you have to hydrate. That's the most important thing. And so wherever we went, if we went out, you know, to lunch, if we were training, if we were just hanging around the hotel, we had to have our water bottle with us and at all And did you times. find that made life better for you, being better hydrated? Oh, absolutely. Do you ever have that, those? That dull headache that's always there suddenly went. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. And, and the worst thing is, when I've got that dull headache, my first thought is, I must need coffee. So, <laughs> which is going to dehydrate which you. Which is going to dehydrate you to the point where when I went to... So I went to the coronation last year. Yes, I oh, know. This year, sorry. I um, saw you when you get up. Very nice. My main worry was, how am I going to go five hours without a toilet break or a coffee? 
And two days before the coronation, we, all of us that, who were going to be there were invited to um, the High Commissioner's um, residence. And Albo was there and Nick Cave and Sam Kerr and everyone. The main topic of conversation was how are we not going to wee for five yeah, hours? Yeah, that's right. So I said, I'm going to... Uh, there was a doctor there and he said, maybe try some caffeine tablets. And I went, oh, hang on, there's a there's a version of paracetamol in the UK that has caffeine in it. The old diuretic. Yeah, I'll take... The, I'll t- yeah, <laughs> I know, this is the thing. I was like, I'll take that, the paracetamol will offset the bladder pain, Yes. and then the caffeine will, will keep me caffeinated. And then the next day I got an email via the High Commission from a professor who was there and overheard the conversation. She helped discover the COVID vaccine... She emailed to say, please tell Adam not to take caffeine tablets because they are a diuretic. They really are. That's so, exactly right. Yes. So, so do you know how I got through the coronation? <laughs> Genuinely? Nurofen. But I knew I couldn't take water in, so I took in a eucalyptus lozenges so that I'd have enough saliva to swallow a Nurofen. Oh, my God. <laughs> I could tell you how to do that. All you have to do is work on news breakfast, as I did for 11 years, and you simply learn not to go. Really? Yep. Wow. I'm wired up with so much technology. I tried it once. I've got two battery packs. <laughs> I've got the whole lot. I thought I'm never doing this again. I almost missed the break and missed being back on air. So I just stopped. So how long How long a period then? Oh, were I, you... can, I can go for six or eight hours. That's no, really no impressive. No sweat. It wouldn't even occur to me. Right. It wouldn't have occurred to me that would be a problem. The problem would have been, you know, finding the right frock to attend the coronation. <laughs> but you nailed that. We're going to have to do a lightning round now. Okay, We've been chatting go. too long. The time I got it terribly wrong was... Oh, wow. In Pracy. Oh, the time I got it terribly wrong. The worst the worst time I can think of that I got it terribly wrong was... Um, okay, when I was going to university. Sorry, I was looking off into the distance to yeah, try no, and picture good. it then. I gotcha, yeah. I was going, when I went to university... Uh, there was a, a Wynyard Station. I used to get a bus from Wynyard Station to Macquarie University. Yes. And I remember one morning there was a girl at the bottom dressed in a Superman outfit handing out flyers for something and she was really cute and it was cold and I thought I'm going to buy her a hot chocolate. And so I went up the escalator and then went, right, went back down the escalator to get a hot chocolate. Nice move. Bought yeah. the hot chocolate. By the time I got to where she was, I went, and as I was coming back down the escalator, I saw her going up the other escalator <laughs> and went, oh no, she's going up. So instead of going down and then going back up, I decided to run up the escalator that was going down with the hot chocolate, Oh, got oh. to the top, fell, landed at her feet while spilling hot chocolate everywhere. This is another scene out of a cartoon. <laughs> My life in cartoons. And she was Mills. like, there she was, this lovely lady dressed in a <laughs> Superman costume looking down at me on the floor going, are you okay? Did you get the date? No, I just picked myself up and ran away very quickly. I love that. That's going to be a great scene in the biopic of your life. <laughs> life is perfect. It's a small thing, but mm. I'm still so proud that I... Okay, this is a tiny, tiny, tiny thing. I like the tiny cool. things. Okay, so um, years ago, my wife and I were in Paris with, with our daughters and we were at a museum for like circuit fairground attractions, oh, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a really old one where you had to put balls into a chute and the more you got it in the right in the middle, the faster your horse went along a track. And my daughter was having a go and my wife was also having a go and she was my wife was winning but my daughter was coming second and I was like, Oh no, 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 back off, let it go and and, and so basically I just helped my daughter and really quietly and just going, Here you go, here you go, here you go. And my daughter ended up winning and I'm not I'm not proud that she beat my wife. <laughs> But it was it was a tiny, 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 tiny parenting win. Why did that matter to you so much in that moment that she get across the line? 
Oh, because I think you just want your kids to be happy and you want them to have successes, little tiny successes. And I think I think parenting is millions of those a day, millions of tiny, tiny little things that you just adjust and your kids don't even notice and it helps them do the next thing. Mm. And I think those, more than anything else, are the things I'm probably most proud of. Those little moments of scaffolding. And it's not scaffolding to to, you know, prop them up. It's actually so they can go and, you know, build their, keep building their own house as they get older. Yeah. What a great way of putting it. Even this morning, my daughter on the way to school, the, the, the stopper on the front of her uh, roller skates had fallen off. And she was like, oh, daddy, I don't need it. And I'm like, no, I think you do. She's like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. And I, I had a moment of, of kind of going, oh, fine, do whatever you want. And then went, no, come on, be responsible. Go and screw the stopper in. Just tiny little thing. Yep. And so, might, so if there is a need to suddenly stop, she's not going to crack her head on the pavement. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. That's what I had to explain to her. <laughs> Are you a, a very vigilant parent? Are you a worrying parent? Are you a relaxed parent? <laughs> to be honest, I worry and I'm also a little bit lazy. So the phrase I probably use most often with my kids is, just be careful. <laughs> what does that mean? Do you know what I mean? My daughter can be standing on a fence like like a high wire act and I'll, and I'll be sitting An there. An electrified think, fence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'll think, I know I should do something yeah. right now. And I'm like, just be careful. <laughs> there you go, I've done my bit. Yep. Yeah. No, you'll be right, love. <laughs> Sounds like Australian parenting to me. Adam Hills, our final question is always, my secret pleasure or my guilty pleasure is... Oh, I forgot. What, what is my secret pleasure? Coffee. Just too much coffee. How much each day? Uh, five or six. Mm, That's what, what kind? Magics. Oh, the, yeah, the Melbourne right. Magics. Yeah, yeah, yes, I know. I discovered yeah. those recently. I had a Sydney side introduce me to Melbourne Magics. I oh, really? never heard of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, Hamish, do you know who... Hamish McDonald, when he was co-hosting with me on News Breakfast, said, "I'll get a Magic," and I said, "Get a what now?" And he said, "You come from Melbourne." I said, I, "I'm sorry. What is this thing you're ordering? Never heard of them." Do you know what? Do you know who introduced me? Who? Magda Zhabansky. <laughs> we were doing an ABC photo shoot, and I heard her order a Magic, and I went, "I beg your pardon." Yeah. And she said, "Oh no, it's the perfect relation. You know, combination of coffee to milk." Yeah. Right. And so. So I probably, I mean, possibly have five of those a day. So when and how do you detox? Do you ever let it all run out of your system? Is it that one holiday on the beach once a year or does it never happen? I I detox when I get a stomach bug and I'm too sick to drink coffee. <laughs> That's basically it. And then after at the end of three days, I think, wow, I feel great. I feel good after this. Maybe I shouldn't drink coffee. And then... Let's go and have a coffee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a wrap for this season of You Don't Know Me. The podcast is produced by Joe Sullivan and Jules Hay with audio production by Michael Black. All 22 episodes of the podcast are now available on the ABC Listen app and I'd love for you to follow the show and listen back. There's fellow Spicks and Specs star Miff Warhurst. Happy to come back, John Farnham style, <laughs> as many times as we goddamn please because it's fun. If you're up for a laugh, you'll want to hear episodes with Tim Minchin, Judith Lucy, Sean McAuliffe and more of our comedy greats. I did an open audition for Pumbaa. You know, the kind of Faustian <laughs> warthog. I showed the audience an enormous slide of my vulva portrait. You'd never know it, but I... Was once Humphrey B. Bear. Were you really? See, you didn't know that. That's I did not know that. Or hear about the very interesting habits shared by guests like Adam Liao and Kate Seberano. I'll always make the bed before leaving the house. Yes. And in hotel rooms as well. Oh, do you? I always make my bed in the morning, um, even if I'm staying at a hotel. That's, I know that's a little weird. I think from memory you might be the third or the fourth person to say really? that. Really? 
And last but not least, you can hear me answering the questions too, with my friend and colleague Matt Preston in the questioner's seat. Uh-oh. <laughs> there go the questions, and here come the other questions. Oh, dear. Yeah. It's such a joy to be with you each episode and to see your wonderful reviews of the podcast. It wouldn't be anything without the support of each and every one of you, so thank you. And until next time, thank you for listening. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.